<laughs> Welcome to the On Your Left podcast, the politics podcast that's probably to your left. My name is Katrina, and I use she/them pronouns. And my name is Narali Sheth. I use she/her pronouns. Um, and you can find us in your feeds every Wednesday. Wednesday, and we have a new thing up. One thing we really loved doing was a couple weeks ago, we talked about some of our favorite books from childhood and how they made us the people we are now and how they helped us develop into the people we wanted to be. So we have a new affiliate link for bookshop.org, which lets you support independent bookstores. And we are using it to recommend some of our favorite books that we've been reading. Yeah. And you can find it at bookshop.org slash shop slash on your left pod. And if you don't feel like reading but want to support us anyway, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash on your left pod. Yeah, we would love your support in any ways you're willing to give it, including just sharing this podcast with your friends because we haven't been doing it very long and not a lot of people listen to this, but <laughs> we still think it's pretty good. Yeah, it's nice. Um, and we also just, like, feel a lot of good things when, when you share it and tag us in, in your sharing of the podcast. It's nice. Yeah, even if you don't think we're very good at it, if you just want to make us happy, just share the podcast. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Give us that sweet, sweet serotonin. Our brains don't make it very well by themselves, so we <laughs> need you to help us. Okay, so... I mean, my brain doesn't. <laughs> so this week, we thought we would... Uh, we're about 10 episodes in? 11 episodes? This is our 11th episode? Something like that. We've made some episodes. We've made quite a few episodes, and we realized we've covered quite a lot of ground. Um, and we thought uh, we would do an update episode on all of the things we've talked about and what's new and interesting... Um, in those topics because we talk about issues and our make issue-based podcasts things can change really quickly around the conversations around our rights and around how we need to react to the outside world around us in order to make political change well said all right well our first episode was on abortion because we wanted to come out of the gate knowing exactly who we were <laughs> yeah we came out strong but but that's what we are <laughs> So, what's new in abortion rights? The Supreme Court has made a few new announcements and some changes to laws. So, I think before we talk about abortion strictly, I think we should first talk about how the Supreme Court upheld a Trump administration regulation that lets employers with religious or moral objection limit people's access to birth control coverage under the Affordable Care Act. This could result in as many as 126,000 people losing contraceptive coverage from their employers uh like there are a lot of issues about insurance being tied to your workplace especially when we're in a period of great unemployment but this is one of them this is definitely one of them and uh, this overturns um a court case that a lot of people are probably familiar with uh the hobby lobby case mm -hmm. and we're familiar with it because we've been making fun of hobby lobby for years over this god I got my very first death threat on the video I made about it. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a weird and proud moment. Someone also accused me of being like a fake Christian, and I'm like, excuse you? How dare you? Oh, yeah, I got some fun 
Christian fundamentalists being like, you're going to hell when I was talking about just being a different religion. So it's, it's always interesting getting those people in your comment sections. Um, but yeah, Hobby Lobby sucks. Like, yeah. as a company. Also, aren't they the same people who, like, took those Egyptian ruins? I don't know about that, but they were recently in the news for refusing to close their stores because if their employees happened to get the coronavirus pandemic, it was a will of God. And they had prayed about it, and God had told them that it was their duty to stay open in their physical locations. No, the... This was a thing. The Egyptian... Okay, so Hobby Lobby had to pay a $3 million fine because they stole ancient artifacts from Iraq, not Egypt. Um, but, yeah, they they took clay tablets from, from what used to be Mesopotamia. Like, and they had to pay $3 million in fines? What? Oh my god. Yeah. I'm learning so much and I hate it. Hang on, I'm gonna put the link in the doc. I have had a loss for words because every time I learn something new at Hobby Lobby, I have to, like, reassess what I think about the whole world because they always throw me for a <laughs> So, I mean... I think it's it's safe to say we can blame Hobby Lobby for the current state of the world. At the very least, they were the original people that pushed to not cover contraceptive care and contraceptive coverage for their employees. And you know what? They're at least responsible for the recent court case. Yeah. And the And also maybe they unleashed some sort of curse upon the world by stealing ancient artifacts. Maybe. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that. We can say, but I think we should say that they allegedly unleashed a curse on the world. Yeah. Just in case. I said maybe. I don't want to get sued. Yeah. yeah. So we're losing access to birth control, uh, which, yes, is used as like contraception to like prevent having children when you don't want to have children. Uh, but it's also used for a variety of other medical conditions and. All of the things that we use medicine for yeah, it, are things that medicines... It regulates yeah. your, your menstrual cycle, and it provides a lot of hormones that some people need um, just to, like, exist and not be in pain all the time. Um, so... And I would, I would like to have whatever medically necessary things that people need be covered by their health insurance, which shouldn't really be up to their employers because their employers probably aren't doctors. Yeah, I don't understand why my employer should have a, the right to my body. Also, uh, in um, abortion news, the Supreme Court struck down a Louisiana law that could have left the state with just one abortion clinic. Uh, which dashed the hopes of conservatives who were uh, counting on President Trump's uh, judicial appointments uh, to cover the court um, and sustain restrictions on abortion rights and overrule Roe versus Wade eventually. Um, this, this is a huge win for us in Louisiana. 
I don't think that can be understated. And this decision was based on an older case, uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which was actually decided in 1992, a few years before we were born. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically it said that states can't place an undue burden on people trying to access abortion health care. Yeah. Because abortion is health care and it's legal and trying to make it impossible to get hurts patients yeah and it's also important to note that most abortion clinics aren't just abortion clinics they are overall reproductive health care clinics and it would also place an undue burden on people uh who just need access to reproductive health care in general laws like these force mostly gynecological offices uh who are responsible from everything to birth control, abortion, STD testing, uh, to helping people navigate their pregnancies and, you know, deliver babies, Mm -hmm. to choose what care they are able to provide in order to make sure that their patients are healthy. And sometimes that means not providing care to patients, and that's not right, and it's not a decision that the doctor should have to make to only treat some people, because a doctor has taken an oath to treat all people and to take care of them. Oh, also it's important to note that shutting down abortion clinics does not uh, prevent abortion. It just creates more unsafe abortions um, that can really hurt people. We've been really lucky to live in a world where abortion has been a safe procedure that is medically safe and controlled in some ways and with some regulations to ensure patient safety because it is statistically you are more likely to be hurt during by carrying a pregnancy to term than you're getting an abortion because we are in the middle of a maternal mortality crisis in the united states but that's probably a different conversation (laughs) um but providing care to people who need care is the most important thing we can do and ensuring that people aren't turning to unsafe practices is saving lives mm-hmm. well <laughs> i guess we should move on <laughs> yeah um yeah sorry it feels it feels weird to be doing multiple topics in an episode but i think this these updates are necessary yeah no we need to know what's currently going on in in the in the spheres that we care about um it's just weird that like it just feels a little bit whiplashy but that's kind of how the world is right now what's going on with education really um well um <laughs> there's a lot going on with education um if you have children or no children you probably know that everyone is stressed out of their minds um in terms of figuring out the current situation but also uh president trump decided to threaten to cut off federal funding to districts that don't reopen um even though he only controls very a little a very small amount of money for schools um but Again, if you know children or have ever been to public school, you already know that administrations are already struggling to cover um, basic student needs, not to mention the current logistical and financial challenges of retrofitting buildings to be um, socially distant and adding staff members and 
providing personal protective equipment to everyone involved, um, plus, you know, providing students with their academic needs and the real emotional support kids are going to need um, after such a traumatic disruption. Um, I remember, like, during Hurricane Sandy, uh, I was in high school and my school had to shut down and we had to go to another district for school after, like, a week off. And it was, like, very stressful for those, like, three weeks. I cannot imagine what students are going through right now after months and months of this. I am not currently living with uh, a child who's going to school, but I do have a younger brother who is in elementary school. And his school continued to provide free breakfasts and lunches for kids who qualified for that. Um, by letting kids pick up two meals once a day, basically. And making sure that kids got access to everything they needed. Um, they had provided students who did not have access to technology at home with laptops to be able to do schoolwork. Wow. And try to keep everyone at home as much as they could. And I live in not a wealthy community. About one-third of our students qualify for free or reduced lunch in my area, but we were still able to make things work because we wanted to protect our students and our teachers. Because I've met children, and children don't understand how long six feet is, and they're not going to stay six feet away. No. I have seen so many kids in, like, grocery stores who have trouble keeping their masks on just, like, in the cereal aisle, much less for a whole day. Yeah. And yeah, just I, I was a fidgety kids. kid. I would have been playing with the mask, not wearing it. <laughs> yeah. I can't really imagine how schools would reopen physical education in a way that is safe uh, or even productive for the mental health of their students yeah. because... To be in a classroom with all of your friends but not be able to interact with them, especially for younger children, is going to be hard. Yeah. No, I, I'm i friends with a teacher who, like, teaches um, the British equivalent of, like, 7th and 8th grade. And she's having a lot of trouble um, just keeping track of everything her students are doing and, um, like getting students to stay up to date on the coursework and that's like preteens like kids who kind of know how to do school already like if if there's a first grader or second grader who like doesn't get it yet they're losing out on so much fundamental fundamental education just because of the situation going on and it's just yeah it's hard yeah I mean, as much as uh, the president and our education secretary, Betsy DeVos, have been pushing for like a fall return to schools, we're still stuck trying to figure out if it's even safe to send kids back to school because no other country has tried to do this with the virus at the levels of America is right now. Yeah, I mean, as of recording, Florida has officially beaten the record for uh, daily all-time high cases. Um, We should also say that there hasn't really been a lot of scientific research about this virus's transmission in classrooms because we pulled kids 
out of classrooms and shut down schools in order to protect them in our larger communities. Mm-hmm. We didn't research it because to research it would mean endangering these children's lives and endangering the lives of their families. Yeah, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to endanger anyone. And yeah, reopening is just a bad idea. And cutting funding for for schools that don't reopen is an even worse idea. Just so everyone knows, most schools funding actually comes from the state level mm-hmm. and the local level. Uh, your state will provide a lot of education funding, uh, pay for teachers, that kinds of thing, which is why states have a variety of different educational outcomes when compared to each other. Yeah. I, and also, that's also, also it's highly dependent on where you live in the state and if you're in a wealthy community or not. Um, and how much how much your community pays in taxes. <laughs> yep. Your uh, education funding, for some reason, in the United States is largely based on property taxes at the local level, which means that if you live in a wealthier community, you will be taxed often at a lower rate because low-income communities have again and again chosen and voted to be taxed at a higher rate in order to provide a better education for their children. But that's still less funding than the percentage of what wealthy communities pay because they have those higher property values. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, it's so much is, like, I'm just thinking about redlining now and how, like, all of that intersects. It's just, oh, yeah. that's we, another episode, but... <laughs> we love bringing up other issues because everything is interconnected and that's why it's all kind of messy and complicated. Yeah. <laughs> the real world is confusing. Real world is hard. I don't... It's very difficult. Should we talk about something that's kind of a fun topic to talk about? <laughs> Let me start with a happier thing that I don't know if someone will like. So I just bought stamps. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about my new stamps. We bought T-Rex <gasps> and Scooby-Doo stamps. Oh, I also have Scooby-Doo stamps. They're so fun. fun. Yeah, so you got new stamps. Stamps. Let's uh, let's have some updates about the United States Postal Service because I have always really valued this service that has done so much for me in my personal life, but also for, like, how our country works. We are really dependent upon the system. Yeah, so um, the first... So there hasn't been many updates about, like, defunding the USPS or whatever, mostly because it's not currently happening um which is a good thing um no news is good news in this sense but um most recently uh because of all of the mail-in ballots going on uh for elections um a mail carrier in west virginia had to plead guilty to attempted election fraud and no it was not a democrat it was a republican doing it so um basically what happened is a mail carrier uh, switched eight ballot request forms, um, and on five of those forms, the political party was changed from Democrat to Republican, so people got Republican ballots instead of their requested Democratic ballots um, for the primary ballots. Um, and yeah, yeah, he was caught and found guilty. Um, and apparently this person did it as a joke. (laughs) 
All right, well, first of all, that's not that funny. Yeah, it's not very funny. Um, election fraud is not a joke, um, except for the fact that only eight, it was, it only affected eight people, and election fraud is just not as big of a thing as we think it is, and very, it's very clear that it's easy to catch. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so tampering with mail is a federal crime, tampering within federal or state elections is a crime that has very high penalties so it tends not to be very widespread or really happen at all because it's a huge risk for very little reward all you get to do is change a couple votes maybe if you're lucky or request get a few people in the wrong ballots which is not a good joke still yeah it's not very funny but also like the fact that it was only eight eight ballots that were affected out of I don't know what the population of West Virginia is, but it's bigger than eight people. <laughs> it is quite a bit larger than eight people. Um, it was obvious and they were caught and like it's very easy to catch. There's no sneaky election fraud going on. Yep, which makes what I'm about to say seem even more nefarious. Mm-hmm. So we have, personally, we have talked about um, how the option to vote by mail is important and can really help our democracy thrive in this time where it is dangerous to be in the same area as people from different a different household, and how voting in person be- could become a way for viral transmission and to create a hotspot as we would in- be interacting with possibly hundreds of people within a day as... Voting locations are condensed as poll workers become harder to find because of this pandemic. So in response to this, uh, Donald Trump, the president, has been caught making over five dozen false claims about mail-in balloting since April as officials in different states have begun contemplating the need for expanded use of vote-by-mail during the pandemic. He has been caught lying time and time again in order to make people believe that it is not safe, uh, that it is a way for election fraud to spread, which, as we've said, it's easy to catch, and there are high penalties for it. That's 60 times in the last, what, four months? Voting by mail is safe. It is secure. It is reliable. Yeah. That's really all you need to know. We have been doing it in full states for years, having only vote by mail being the option. It is a safe option. And if you are eligible to vote in your state for the general election by mail, please request your mail-in ballot early to give workers the best chance at processing your request and so that they don't get overwhelmed. We're going to flatten the curve of mail-in ballot requests. <laughs> yeah, actually, how does that work? Um, like, how how do you know when your vote is counted? Like, do you just send it in as early as possible so your vote is counted as early as possible? Well, it depends on the state, okay. honestly. Um, so in Pennsylvania, we got vote by mail for the first time in this primary election. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had passed a law last year to implement it before the pandemic started, which Great. was very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I got a couple different emails after I requested my ballot. I got an email saying that they received my request and one will be mailed to me 
um, at a certain date because they pick a day to send it out uh, when their ballots will be printed and completed in full. Mm-hmm. So like a month before the election. Yeah. I got an email informing me my ballot, my ballot had been mailed to me and a third email after I sent it in letting us know that it had been received. Oh, wow. Uh, because of election law here, you can't open them until the day of the election and start counting until then, but even then, knowing it would be counted and it did get in meant that I didn't have to try to go to my polling place to see if my vote was counted because I knew that they had it already. Yeah, that's great. Um, New Jersey didn't work like that for our primary election, which just happened, which just happened last week. Um, basically, our governor um, like passed a bill or something um, where everyone just got a mail-in ballot regardless of like requesting it or not um which was great um but uh i think we got a phone call just like confirming that we were getting one then we got one and then we sent it in but there wasn't like any email communication or anything like that i think just because they didn't have the infrastructure to do that because it was pretty last minute uh compared to like pennsylvania which like had the bill and passed it like way before the pandemic and like had time to figure out the logistics yeah, I will say there were still, like, problems with the system getting overwhelmed mm-hmm. because they weren't expecting so many people to vote by mail when they originally implemented it. After having done it for the primary, I think states will be better equipped to handle it in the general election because they know where the flaws in the system have been and because we have so much time now to get people to request the ballots, process those requests, and we'll be able to know when to start printing based on all of the information we have. And the earlier you send in your ballot application and the earlier you send in your ballot once you have it, the better for everyone. Yeah, I'm going to look into how it works for New Jersey and whether or not I have to request a ballot or anything for this year. Because they just sent it to everyone. Like, I didn't have to request anything, so... Yeah, it's definitely best for everyone to check what the laws look like in your mm-hmm. state uh, and what you have to do. We will not be covering that, but maybe check out the YouTube channel, How to Vote in Every State. They have links to other resources in your state, websites for your Secretary of State and how your voting laws work, and that'll help you figure things out and get started researching. The last fun update in our little USPS section is um, electronic mail trucks. No, not email trucks, but electric trucks for your mail. Um, In the latest uh, budget proposal by the Democrats, um, the, there is, let's see, there is a section on, um, hang on. Let me see where the thing is. Okay. So there is a section on updating uh, the trucks for the, that the USPS uses. And the USPS needs about $6 billion to replace its vehicles um, to uh, and get all electric trucks, which would be amazing and save so much money for the USPS in terms of, like, gas. Um and also just be great for the environment. Um, the trucks that the USPS are currently using are really old. They're kind of janky looking. No offense. Um, 
but like you've seen them, you know what they look like. Um, and yeah, and in order to save itself uh, completely from financial ruin, the USPS needs about $25 billion. And yeah, $6 billion of that would go towards replacing its vehicles. And that would be amazing. And that's in the budget proposal right now. Um, so call your senators, um, talk to them about the USPS, ask them to uh, fight for uh, this money to get electric cars for the USPS, because it would be great. Yeah, it's great for the United States Postal Service to be able to have funding because they don't normally get federal funding, um, and this mm-hmm. help needed upgrades and also probably help them weather the storm of the pandemic. Uh, it would also help the automation industry, the automobile industry, mm-hmm. to have these demand ready. And it would help with climate change because not burning fossil fuels would be great because there are hundreds of thousands of mail trucks in the United States delivering all over the country. Yeah, like the USPS goes where no other man goes. Like that's their whole thing. There's nowhere they don't go. Let's move on now because the United States Postal Service also delivers to Disney. Oh. What's going on with Disney, Norelli? Well, I mean, people call it the happiest place on earth, but um I wouldn't I wouldn't really call it that right now. So, Disney, Wait. the Disney parks. Oh. I got a joke. Yes, go. Go. <laughs> Is it the happiest hot spot on earth? <laughs> This was, that was totally a bad worth moment to take a sip of water. That was <laughs> the happiest hot spot on earth. God, why? Um, so it looks like uh, <laughs> wait, I think I got one too. It looks like Disney really wants to make it a smaller world by um, killing people. <laughs> no, maybe not. Okay, so. Basically, uh, Disney, the Disney company has decided to reopen their parks in the United States, which means Disneyland in, in Anaheim, California, and Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And um, this, is, this, this is a bad idea. Um, as of July 8th, 2020, the Florida Department of Health reported 9,989 new cases of, of the coronavirus um, with 1,251 cases in the central part of the state, which includes Orlando. Um, this is bad. This is real, real bad. Um, so, of course, uh, those numbers, um, the Disney parks have just opened, so those numbers don't indi- don't necessarily correlate to uh, the f- the populate the number of people going to the disney parks however it does indicate however like disney reopening indicates to the world that things are getting better generally people use the disney parks as a litmus test uh for like the world economy and like just like people are 
and it affects people's confidence. People are like, well, if the Disney parks are open, surely things are getting better. Surely it's fine for me to go outside and, and interact with other people and, and not use a face mask because there are lower cases, right? And, and it's just so wrong. It's so wrong. The pandemic has gotten way, way worse since Disney originally closed, particularly in the areas where the Disney parks are located. We have been seeing higher cases than when they closed by thousands. Yeah, it's scary. Um, it's scary that like they they could that Disney the Disney Corporation couldn't just take the L on this and say, yeah, we planned on reopening, but like we looked at the numbers and decided that that was a bad idea because we don't want more people to die. Like, it's terrifying that that wasn't their response to this. Yeah. And we should say we are recording this on July 12th, 2020, which is the day that Florida set the new daily U.S. record with over 15,000 new virus cases. Yeah. I I must just feel bad for, like, the employees yeah. who had to return to work. We need to protect each other within our society. And we need to be willing to protect workers in this society by being okay with these theme parks being shut down because it would mean saving lives. It would mean probably tens of thousands of cases will not happen if these theme parks shut down. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just, there's so many transmission vectors. Even standing in line to get into the park has to be a huge hassle to figure out how to stay far apart from other families. Yeah. And again, this is a place for kids. And, And it's especially a place where kids like to play and like enjoy themselves and run around and touch other people's faces like that's what kids do that and it's made for kids so like maybe just don't so after we talked about disney we did a string of episodes on lgbtq plus rights that was all last month um do we have any updates i mean we're still gay that's true. That's like, true. you're still non-binary, and you're still bisexual. I'm still yeah. gay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Pride ended, but we still, like, exist in the world. Still here. Still queer. Yeah, wait, Katrina, There, there's good news involving um, one of your countries of origin. Oh my god, yeah. that never happens. What? Yeah. I just pasted it in the, in the docs. All right, well, let's find out what happened here. So we don't really, uh, we said there was no new LGBTQ plus news because, you know, the the last major thing that happened in the United States was a Supreme Court case guaranteeing LGBTQ plus workplace protections under um, Article 7 of the Civil Rights Act. But Thailand just moved to legalize same-sex unions. Yeah, so they're not calling it marriage, but it's still something. Yeah. Civil partnerships. So 
These amendments to the Thailand Civil Code gives couples the right to jointly own property, adopt children, and pass on inheritances. That's huge. That's that's a big step that doesn't um it doesn't often happen in Asia historically largely because of like colonialist reasons which Mhm. Oof. And usually when we're talking about uh, LGBT plus news, we kind of stick to American news because that's where we both live. But you know what? There is an international queer community, and I'm really glad that they're getting some of the support they need in Thailand. Yeah, it's awesome. And then uh, last week we talked about defunding the police. We have no updates on that, but if you want to learn more about specific parts of racial justice, the criminal justice system, or police brutality... Let us know. We'd be happy to cover and talk about the issues that you want to talk about. Yeah, please ask questions. Hit us up on social media. Um, Always down to do some research and discuss more about that. I think now that we've talked about, you know, Thailand allowing same-sex unions, let's move on to some of our good news. Narali, what's your good news this week? Okay, so first of all, I bought a new thimble, and I'm very excited about it. Um, If you follow me on YouTube, you might notice that I posted my last video um, was, like, me doing embroidery, and I've been doing embroidery for a few years now, and I finally got, like, an adjustable thimble that actually fits my finger and doesn't just fall out, Um, and it's very comfortable, and I love it, and sometimes you have to appreciate the small things in life, and... I'm really enjoying using it. Um, And my other good thing is that, like, Twitch streams are good, maybe? Um, I've been watching... uh, I've been slowly but surely getting addicted to to live streams. Um, One of our mutual friends, Rachel, um, aka the Junie Bird, has been live streaming uh, her playing the ukulele and keyboard and also playing uh, Nancy Drew mystery video games. Um, and they're very, very good. And, uh, my friend, my friend Jude, who, yeah, Mermaid Queen Jude, uh, they're amazing. Um, yeah, she, I've, I've known her since we were, like, both hardcore into Tumblr in, like, high school. Um, that's how we met. But, um, I'm not gonna give you their old URL. Um, but, (laughs) yeah, they, they, like, did youtube for a while and then like now they're on twitch and like killing it on twitch and um i love i love their stuff they play video games and also just like create a very nice safe space for people and it's really lovely and then there's like moth cub who's like aka h bomber guy too who's just killing it on twitch too and i'm just really enjoying live streams of like my favorite independent creators and like old small youtube friends who are now just doing live streaming um i don't like twitch as a platform mostly because it's owned by amazon but i mean i tried to do a youtube live stream a a couple months ago and got kicked off because i used the word gay in the title so maybe twitch is good maybe and that's that's my good things twitch at least doesn't care that we're gay yeah it's a low bar. And I'm supporting my friends on it. Like, Amazon is does benefit from my being on the website, but my friends benefit more. So, there's that. 
Yeah, it has been really nice to be able to actively spend time with a lot of the people I care about online. My good news is a plea for you to watch The okay. Babysitter's Club on Netflix. I think everyone should watch The Babysitter's Club on Netflix because it's an excellent show that was really well produced. All of the, like, seventh... All of the seventh graders depicted in the Babysitter's Club sound and act like modern seventh graders. They feel like they're adults and old enough to babysit, even though they're like 13, which I totally felt like when I was 13. But they also have cell phones and have like fashion that they are, that is both incredibly stunning and age appropriate. <laughs> oh, I love that. They sound and act like the 13-year-olds that are here now. They are very Gen Z, but they're also very sweet kids because, yes, most kids are still good. Um, I've really liked it because, first of all, Anne M. Martin recently has been recently... How do I want to say this? Anne M. Martin is queer. Yeah, we've rediscovered her queerness. I think is the way to put it. Yeah. It's a new thing that I learned, but I think she is known for a long time. It's also really great because they do things like having a trans child that they babysit and protecting and caring for that child as she is and fully supporting and embracing and affirming her transness. I love that. Oh my god. She wrote the doll people books with her ex. I mean, I don't think they were exes then, but no, yes. No, 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 no. They, they were... No, but, like, she wrote them with her 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 partner at the time. Yeah. No wonder I was obsessed with the doll people when I was little. <laughs> that explains so much. Yeah. <laughs> like, I specifically bought myself a hardcover copy of the doll people, like way too recently because of like i'm obsessed with like the decoration like the way they've done the hard cup like i can i'm gonna make a video about this probably because i can go on and on about the doll oh, people um just about the the way they they did the covers of the doll people <laughs> oh yeah but um definitely do other good yeah. things about the babysitters club though <laughs> sorry okay so, within the series, they also tackle the socioeconomic problems at their summer camp because not everything is accessible to poor people within their camp. They form a union. They stage oh a general strike and multiple forms of peaceful protest. Amazing. It is beautiful, and it still is that fun, light-hearted series about a group of young girls who are supporting each other and making some money. That's amazing. Yeah, I really need to watch The Babysitter's Club, but like, I am just, I've become the world's slowest TV watcher. Maybe there's Mango News. Let's see. Oh, Bangladesh is starting to export mangoes to Switzerland. 
Congrats. Was about to have some tasty mangoes. Congrats to the Swiss. Um, good for them. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good mango fact. <laughs> yeah, that's some mango news right there from the Taka Tribune. So thanks for listening to this uh, catch-up episode of On Your Left Pod. And if you want to hear and see more from us, please follow us at On Your Left Pod on Twitter. Uh, we will be doing more polls, asking more questions about what you would like to hear in our podcast. And check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash onyourleftpod. Check out our bookshop.org page, bookshop.org slash shop slash onyourleftpod. All right, Norali, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Firewood Sparkler uh, everywhere. And where can we find you? You can find me at Katrina Ames on Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Oh, you're on TikTok now? I'm on TikTok now. It's a brave new world. Wow. I'm not yet on TikTok. I've not made the plunge. We'll change that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks so Thanks much for, for listening. listening. Bye. <laughs> Bye.